0: Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas, huh? You can tell I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little early, we understand, and I like that. It's, it's wonderful. We start this new series. It's, it's not just a Christmas series. It's a series on the entire Gospel of Luke that we will begin today. But this first chunk is our Christmas series as well with a thrill of hope. I'm looking forward to going through all of the Gospel of Luke, and we're even thinking about going then straight into the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which were both written by the same guy. It's kind of one big story. I'd even encourage you to start now just reading all of it. Read all of it, all the way from here in Luke 1 to the end of Acts 28, and just get the, the big story of the story of Jesus and the story of the church in its beginnings and it's going to be, I think, so great just to dig deep into all of what happened in the life of Jesus. Everything he said, the way he lived, all of the miracles that we see, and of course, the, the big picture of his birth, life, death, and resurrection. And so I'm looking forward to this time as we go through the entire gospel of Luke. Uh, now this this title A Thrill of Hope is not a line from the Gospel of Luke although the concept of hope is a through line through this gospel. Uh, I think as we know, as we will see here, as we look in these first four verses today, uh, but a thrill of hope is a line from this song, O Holy Night. Uh, How many of you this is, O Holy Night, is your favorite Christmas carol? It's like number one for you. I I bet it's kind of a lot, actually. Yeah. How many of you it's on your maybe top three at least? Keep your hand up. All right. How many of you don't do rankings of Christmas carols and you're like, what are you doing? Okay, yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's like, uh, but it's I think this is a song that people love. Uh, And and I do. I love this song. It's deeply meaningful. It seems to always be a moving moment at a Christmas Eve service uh, or things like that. And it has these words, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining, the night of our dear Savior's birth. And then it has this line, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. So, we are living in these lives of sin. We know we've done wrong and we're longing and pining for that hope, for that something more. Like, what is going to happen? How will this, this thing that is broken be made whole again? And then it says, till he appears. Jesus appears on the scene, and our soul feels the depth and the worth, the value of that. And that is what brings us a thrill. Hope. We know we have hope for the, the life here and now as well as for our eternity because of Jesus. And then this world that had been weary and tired and exhausted and drained and maybe hopeless can rejoice in Him. So that is what this series will be. How can we find this hope in Jesus Himself? Uh, as I said, digging deep into this book, this, this, this story, this true story, written by a guy named Luke. Now... This guy, Luke, uh, who wrote this, just to even understand, because we're kind of setting up all of this, a little bit of introductory thought of what is this gospel about? So Luke is a Gentile. That means he's not a Jew. He's not a Jewish person, so he's a little bit like, different than all kind of the other people involved in these stories. Now, Luke is also a medical doctor, so he just has a different perspective than a fisherman or a tax collector. Some of these people that wrote some of these other accounts of the story of Jesus, right? Uh, he, uh, He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but as we just heard as Norm read this passage, he says these things that happened among us, Luke says. And so he's part of the scene in some way. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but he's part of this time and this culture we do see in the book of Acts that Luke is a close companion of the apostle Paul. So as Paul is going on these his missionary journeys and writing to people and sharing the, the truth of who Jesus is with all of these surrounding areas in the Mediterranean region, he is a companion of Paul in that. So Luke's part of that whole world. And Luke, so you can see where Luke has like just an interesting perspective in some way. And everybody that writes in the Bible, so whether that's Matthew or Mark who was uh, talking to Peter and getting like his story of Jesus from Peter or John, these people all come from a different perspective. The same story, but just seen and experienced through a different uh, lens or a different person's life. And it's a beautiful thing, I think, actually, to be able to have like a, a different sort of take from different people, and we'll get Luke's as a medical doctor, and, and we'll see even how he talks. He's trying to give a, an accurate account, and he's trying to be orderly in the way he does that, and so that's great, and he's writing, says, for a guy named Theophilus. So we don't know much about this guy, Theophilus. We know he is excellent, right? So Bill and Ted enjoy him. But he's, he's an excellent guy, uh, Theophilus, which I love. Uh, he's a generally unknown character in sort of the history of the time or in other biblical writings. Uh, we believe he's possibly a patron, uh, so a supporter of Luke or just a friend of Luke's in some way. Uh, his name means beloved of God. And so some people think that maybe Theophilus is sort of um, just a name to represent the people who are beloved of God, who then like, maybe are struggling with being certain or assured of their faith or the truth of all of these stories. And so Theophilus has these kind of questions, I would think, then, from what we read here. Is Christianity what I believed it to be? Are these stories actually true and is Jesus really who he says he is so Luke is trying to speak to this this person Theophilus or all of us as people because I think all of us have these questions at some point in our life is Christianity what I believed it to be maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time maybe you grew up in a Christian family and have just been taught these things because that's where you ended up in the world and you wonder, is all of this actually true? Are these just fairy tales or stories or myths in some way? Is Jesus really who he says he is? And what I hope for you in this whole series and even today is that we'll begin to answer these questions. That's, that's Luke's purpose. That's what he's trying to do for Theophilus, is to answer these questions and to help him have a sense of assurance or certainty about his faith, about what he believes. I think a lot of us, you know, we, we, wonder, we wonder if it's true. We wonder, are we saved? I, I remember even... Uh, This guy, when I was a youth pastor at a church previous to my time at Calvary, which I've only been here 21 and a half years, so Karen's got me beat by about six months, I think. But, uh, (laughs) but... But I, I remember at this church I was at before, we had this kid in the youth group um, who was in the youth group for a long time. He had some like, develop, developmental needs, and he was just this awesome guy that we all loved. And his name was Ryan, but everybody called him Rhino. And I remember Rhino so well, and uh, I, every single time we would have um, like a, a moment of decision for Christ, like an altar call or a moment you could say, yes, I'm going to come forward or I'm going to raise my hand or I'm going to stand to receive Christ for the first time. And he... every single time came forward. Every single time would raise his hand, stand up, or ask for prayer. Anytime you could ask for prayer, he's like, yes, I'm in. And actually, I love that. And I love that because, and with full knowledge that you only need to be saved once and you can have full assurance of your salvation, but Rhino just was like, you know what? Why mess around with this? I'm in. You know, like I I just think like, hey, I want to be assured every single time. And I'd rather have you do that than never come forward at all. And so maybe we need to have like that kind of faith a little bit more like my buddy Rhino. And just to say, Lord, I... I want that assurance, I want, I want to have that. I know I can trust in you without going forward again and again and again, but there's something still beautiful in that. So let's, let's get into then just what's going on in this text itself. And you have in Luke one, one through two, encourage you to, to look at these Bibles. Also something cool is like, if you wanna, we have something for you today, by the way, if you would like to buy one of these. These are these cool little things. They're only five bucks, and you can buy them or not. We're not making money off these things. But this is called the filament, uh, like, journal Bible, okay? And it's just, like, Bible on one page, journal page on the other page. And we have these for five bucks. And we're going to be in this Gospel of Luke for a long time, you guys. We're digging deep, okay? So this could be a cool little resource for you just to have notes, and then by the end of this maybe even few years in this Gospel of Luke, you will really have got just, like, a great little resource of notes for you. This thing, this filament Bible too, you can like take your phone and it'll like, it'll lead you to some extra digital resources and stuff like that. So it's a pretty cool little deal, but just wanted to let you know about that. Um, I'm reading here Luke 1, 1 through 2 again, okay, because it says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. And so this is Luke's opening statement, right? This is almost if you even think of like a court case or something. He's like, he's coming out with, this is what I'm going to do. This is his thesis. Look, there are a lot of accounts. I think that's something really interesting. Many people. There are many people who have written about the story of Jesus, And so we know that there are a lot of these accounts circulating among the people of that region in that middle of the first century. And I think even there, it's interesting that you have all these different ones, some that were probably really great, like what would be Matthew and Mark and Johns that were uh, actually canonized as part of the scripture. And then there's probably other people writing stuff um, that weren't as good. You know, I think everybody's coming along and and writing. I think about my wife, B and I. Okay, so if we were to watch an event happen, and then we both were to write an account about it, you would have very different and vastly uh, different like value to each of them. So my wife is, <laughs> she is, both has, I think, she's very observant, let's say. She sees all the details in things, and she's also a person that teaches how to write every single day of her life. So she's a good writer, understands writing, would write you, I think, something really great. And I think she also has a really good memory. Now, me, on the other hand, people can, you can trust me with your secrets. Okay. You can trust me with your secrets. I will hold them in confidence because it's likely I might forget about them a few hours later. It's uh, <laughs> just because like, I don't know, like even when it comes to, you know, babies being like someone's pregnant or engaged or something like that. And it's like, B, I feel like finds out like two months later that from when I knew about it, because I just forgot to say anything about it when I came home, uh, that, I recognize that's sort of like a, a male issue in general, but that's also mine. Now, like, I, I also, I think I'm an okay writer. Uh, I probably would remember all the jokes and the funny things that happened more than the serious parts. And then uh, I just feel like my memory is not as good, like the details. I don't, I would never remember someone's eye color. I just, I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. And so you could see, even with the two of us, she's going to have a gospel account that will be included in the canon, and I would not. And, and so, like, and that's okay. I'm good with, I'm good with that. Um, maybe I'd have like the first century joke book or something, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but, like, what we have are, are Luke is looking at all of these different things. You have all these different accounts. And what's cool is that they are eyewitness accounts. They are people who were actually there, he says, saw these things happen, and then they have written down or began to tell about these events. Now, they aren't just eyewitness accounts from anybody. They are eyewitness accounts from what it says, the early disciples, And so we understand that to be from those who were there. Now, if you just have one eyewitness, that's not great. That's not going to be great in court even, if you even have two. But this is many, many accounts, many eyewitnesses of the actual early disciples. So that includes the 12 disciples— that also includes a broader group that we would call the 70 who Jesus sent out at certain points to proclaim the kingdom of God, perform miracles. You've got an even broader then group of people that were there, thousands of people that were around, not just even these closest disciples. And so um, it's, it's actually really great as a historian, when it comes to the best historians, it's all about their level of access. What kind of access did they have to the events that took place? Well, these people had access to the very people that saw what happened, and Luke is taking in all these different accounts. But even Luke says, among us, the things that happened among us, he says, not among them. So yeah, he's not a Jewish person or part of the 12, but he's somehow around. We don't know exactly, but he's somehow a part of this time and place and culture. And it's these events that happened among us. And I, I even think like we can then have like a sense of, okay, these are happening among us as well. We are part, like we are kind of grafted into this among us as we read these stories. Now, this also leads me to think a little bit about this man named Lee Strobel. Okay, Lee Strobel, uh, most famous for writing a book called The Case for Christ, and then there was a movie by him called Case for Christ. He, but what uh, he was before he started doing that kind of writing and speaking is he was an award-winning legal editor of the Chicago Tribune newspaper. Okay, newspapers, these paper things you'd read, like what happened the day before. Uh, But he was the uh, legal editor of the Chicago Tribune, one of the biggest, like best newspapers of the world. And he was a person, he was a lawyer and would write about the legal things of that time. And so... So Lee Strobel was also an atheist, okay? He did not believe in any God of any kind. And what he decided to do was to dig into and study these stories and claims of Jesus to really be able to disprove that that any God exists at all. And he spent two years, two years as this person that is wired in this way, as this investigative legal journalist, He spent two years digging into the stories of Jesus, the accounts of Christ, the archaeological evidence, the historical evidence, all these different um, forms of evidence. And by the end of it, he didn't didn't actually accomplish his task of disproving Christianity. What happened was he became a Christian. He received Jesus as his Lord and Savior as he dug deep into the claims of who Jesus is. And then he wrote all the—I know, it's awesome, yeah— Clap it up for Lee Strobel. Uh, he. Uh, he wrote then a bunch of different books. We've got Case for Christ in the bookstore, Case for Heaven, which came out more recently, uh, Case for Faith. Uh, he even has this little one here that I was looking at because of our wonderful stage here. Case for Christmas. So the Case for Christmas, this is a little $3 simple book that's really helpful. I encourage you if like buy this thing on Amazon, three bucks, and you can read in a nice, short, easy way some excellent. Um, evidences of how the Christmas story is not a fable, it's not a fairy tale, it's a true story and Jesus is real and it's, it's lined up here for you. And so what I want you to understand is that the Bible will stand up to your scrutiny. The Bible, the story of Jesus, stands up to your skepticism and your doubts but a lot of times we can feel that like a TikTok video will like dismantle our faith or something or some little, uh, some meme because that's over, radically oversimplifying and just like kind of going at one little thing that's, it's, it's making false claims even possibly. And so what it takes though is a lot more. There's, it's so in-depth. That's why someone like Lee Strobel spent two years digging in and he comes out receiving Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior because this is true. So I encourage you, like Strobel did, like Luke did, dig deep. So that's that's that opening statement. Now we get to the beginnings of the investigative report. Verses three and four, he says this having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account. Some versions say an orderly account for you, most honorable. Some other versions say excellent, which I I like. But anyway, okay, so I've also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. That's a big claim. He states here, this is what I will do. I don't know how much you've read even the stories of Luke, or you get into Luke 2 with the classic Christmas story that you hear in Charlie Brown Christmas, you hear every year in Christmas services, and realize that was written so you can be certain of the truth of everything you have been taught. Everything he writes here so you can be certain, you can have assurance of your faith and he does it by carefully investigating. It's not brushing like brushing over the details. It's not saying just have faith, don't worry about the, the facts. No, he says I will carefully investigate this. 1 Peter 3:15 says, "Always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you." Always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. We have this hope. We have a thrill of hope in Jesus. Maybe you've had moments in your life that were that thrill of hope and you feel like you've sort of, the excitement of that has waned. But what I want you to know is it's the truth of that that will last, right? That your, your faith is good and real, but it also is not a blind faith. It is a faith that has, also has a lot of facts, behind it. So he's carefully investigating like this detective or investigative journalist or a trial lawyer taking all these eyewitnesses accounts and analyzing them and recognizing there's all these different accounts. And it's even a point for me to remind you that the Bible is a library, not a book. Okay. The Bible is a library that has 66 books in the same binding. We've got 66 different books in this little library that we can hold here. And so every book is coming with uh, for a different purpose and a different perspective. And it's even interesting with the gospel. The gospel is so important. The story of Jesus is so important that it's in here four times. Four times from four different people's perspectives that you can look into this story and learn about the same thing, the same true story in different ways. Because he says he, also, he wants to give you an accurate account. Not just the... The kind of sensationalistic account or the most wild account. He's not, I want to give you an accurate account. And so this is for you more analytically minded people, this book is for you. I think it's actually pretty exciting too. So this book's for for all of us. Not that you analytical people aren't exciting, as I'm sure you are, but we would all like to see it. Um anyway. Uh but it's because, like, when we, see, when we say the word story, we think fiction, right? When we say the story of Jesus, I think our, our minds go to, to fiction, to that it's a fake story pretty quickly for some reason. But we want to recognize this is a true story, an accurate account. Faith is part of our beliefs. Faith is part of Christianity. Yes, faith is important. In fact, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That we do have faith, but again, it is not a blind faith. Luke wants you to see, yeah, 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 I'm glad, yes, we have faith, but let me show you this accurate account of how everything you've heard is really true. So that you can, it's the why here, so that you can be certain of the truth. And again, the gospel stands up to scrutiny. The gospel isn't afraid of your questions. It isn't afraid of your doubts. Um, and, and so we can dig deep into it. And so I think for you, what prevents you from having that certainty? What is it for you? Is it, is it arguments by skeptics against the truth of Christianity or against the truth of the Bible? Maybe you've heard some arguments that are, that are, are difficult for you to reconcile. Maybe it's even pressure from culture of just your friends or people you know thinking like, gosh, how do, you, how do you believe all this? How do you just not think it's just a fairy tale? Sometimes we feel that pressure and we begin to, like that kind of, that lack of assurance sinks in. And it could just be your own personal doubt, attack of the enemy that's, that's coming in and you feel unsure. You feel unsure. And I think that as we have those moments it's, it's good for us to look at Luke's methodology. His methodology was to dig in deep. Take in all of this, study it, and recognize that the truth of it will stand up. It will stand up. Because remember, I witness testimony of the closest people to the case compiled by a scholarly writer who took that all and put it down, who lived very? Who lived within the time of the events and wrote pretty closely to the time of the events as well. Some people will try to say, oh, the Gospels are written so much later, they, they were sensationalized later on. They, they didn't really have all these these miracles and things within them. Um, one thing I think even in, in Luke's writings, it's important, Luke was like very analytical, and then you think about when Luke's gospel was written plus, uh, or the writing of his gospel plus the book of Acts, really close with Paul, he doesn't write ever in the book of Acts or anywhere about the death of Paul which was probably around the year 62. was around the year 62 when Paul died. You've got a few years later in the year 70 was when the entire temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and ransacked and burned by the Romans. He doesn't write about that. He doesn't write about the death of Paul. So I'm thinking it's, it's gotta be then before that year of 62 at some point, which is, and then likely even earlier than it's not at the year 62. And so you've got this, this account that is compiled at its latest about 30 years after the death of Jesus and resurrection of Jesus. And, and even like the, the scholars that would put it at its longest would say 40 to 50 years later. And then those same historians would look at other, other stories like the biography of Alexander the Great, okay? We're, getting, we're doing a little, a, a little like hard apologetic stuff here, okay? But uh, Al- Alexander the, R- the Great had a biography written by Plutarch that's kind of thought of as the most trustworthy, reliable one. It was written 400 years after his death. And yet these Gospels are written so much closer, especially Luke's, I believe. And you think 20, 30 years ago, you can have... You can have these eyewitnesses still around. You can analyze this without being so far removed. You can do this without sort of legend starting to creep in to all of it. And so the account of Luke is accurate. It's accurate. And he's compiled it. And it's what I mean by accurate too is it's, It's actually real. It happened. All these miracles happened. The virgin birth happened. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ actually happened. I want to assure you of your faith that you can have certainty of what you have placed your faith and trust in. You probably are wondering, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And what's going to happen to me when I die? I wanna know that, I wanna be assured of that. And we can be assured of that as we read in this gospel of Luke and we find these true stories of Jesus, that we place our hope in Jesus himself. He is powerful, he is wise, he is strong, but guess what, that doesn't matter, he is God. Jesus is God. He claimed to be God and he proved himself to be God. And he proved himself to be the one that can forgive us of our sins and make us right with God. It is only through him. And we can be certain of that hope that we have as we read. Hope in the Greek means expectation, trust, and confidence. Our hope is that we can have trust and confidence in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And so my hope for you in this series and my hope for you today is that you would have an assurance of your faith as we dig deep. But I challenge you, if you, if you need to dig deeper, do it, go for it, read the books, study it, go into it really hard and, and, see how the claims of Jesus stand up. So we will take this journey together through this book. And I hope for you to have that as we take this journey together. But I believe that you can have that today as well. You can have that hope assured today as well. Because I ask you, how certain do you feel of the truth of Jesus? Where is your hope? If your hope is in anything other than Christ... It's, it's honestly, it's a worthless hope. He is the only source that we have of true hope for today and for what happens to us when we die, where we will spend eternity. So consider your life right now. What have you placed your hope in? I'd even ask you right now just to kind of put things down, maybe just even close your eyes. And talk to God for a moment. Listen to Him. Close your eyes. Just say, Have you placed your faith and your hope in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is God and that He has forgiven you of your sins? Maybe you, like my buddy Rhino, have done that at some point in your life, but you're just not sure. Maybe you've done it 20 times in your life and you're still not sure. I want you to have assurance today. If you would like to pray right now, just to talk to God and and to say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe you died and rose again and have forgiven me of my sins. If you want to pray that today for the first time or to have that assurance, raise your hand right now. Just put it up. If you lack that assurance today, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Let's have that assurance, let's have that hope. I see. Yeah. So pray with me now. Those of you that raise your hand, if you're a little scared to raise your hand, you can also pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross, taking my sins upon yourself. I believe that you rose again on the third day. I need you to forgive me. Please wash me clean. Please give me hope that is assured. If you prayed that today, that's the beginning. It's the beginning of a life with Jesus. It's the beginning of a life growing in your faith. And if you are someone else out there that just needs to have that that faith built up again. I pray over you now. In the name of Jesus, God, bless my brothers and sisters with hope. Hope that has assurance. Hope with certainty of truth of who you are, Lord. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.